0: But soft what light through yonder window breaks is the east and Juliet is the sun. That's from William Shakespeare's Romeo and Juliet. And I could have easily substituted Kimberly for Juliet in there, (laughs) but given the fact that the play is a tragedy, not a a good vibe. Welcome to Kimberly's Italy.
1: Well, that was a very nice and different intro. Why, thank you. Bravo. You can call me the bard from now on. Uh, (laughs) All right. As we promised at the end of last week's Flightmare episode, we're going to make you happy with this one. No doom and gloom about canceled flights, heat waves, or excessive crowds. We're returning to our happy, cheery, and upbeat selves. When we talk (laughs) about Italy, anyway. Okay. Good enough. (laughs) Uh, I'm all in. (laughs) And since Tommaso already welcomed you... Let me just add. My name is Kimberly Holcomb, and if we'd like to go back to our Italian classes, mi chiamo Kimberly Holcomb. A tu, come ti chiami?
0: Sono Tommaso.
1: Bravo! That just means come ti chiami. What's your name? And he just answered correctly. I am Tommaso Il famoso. (laughs) All right. Before we plunge into this uplifting and happy episode. On a very charming city in the Veneto region, I want to thank those of you who paid attention to our suggestions of planning way ahead for your next trip to Italy. I am helping new clients find the perfect accommodations in terms of the type of style and vibe they prefer, and most importantly, places that fit their budget. It makes them happy to be able to choose from the options I send them since there's availability for next May or July or September. All of 2024, so much easier. So Ben Fatto, that means well done to those of you who are planning ahead. And let us remind you that there are predicted to
0: be over 71 million people visiting Italy this year, up from like 55 million last year. Who knows what it will... It's a lot of people. If you really want to have a wonderful trip... Get in touch.
1: That's all I'll say. Okay. I'll leave it there. Okay. (laughs) All right. Let's dive into Verona. And Verona
0: is not on the greatest hits map, but it has a lot to offer. And first and foremost, it's not on the greatest hits map. (laughs) Right, so you make it a little shoulder room.
1: I will say that it is very popular for those in the know, for opera lovers, for history architectural history lovers. It is a popular place, but not like Rome, Florence, Venice, etc. Amalfi Coast. Right. Capri. <laughs> okay. Alora. As I mentioned, it's located in the Veneto region of northeastern Italy. I personally think its location is fantastic because in a little over an hour, you can drive or take the train to Venice, or you can drive west for just a half an hour and literally dive in to Lago di Garda, Lake Garda, or go sailing.
0: Or go sailing at the northern end where it toots all day long. Right.
1: And speaking of sailing, do you mind if I say this out loud, Tommy? Oops, (laughs) Tommy. (laughs) Go ahead. In case he sounds a little grumpy. Grumpy. Um, I think he broke his foot last night while we were sailing. It's super swollen and he's got it elevated as we're standing here trying to record this without grimaces of pain. So just in case, I'm just pre warning, okay? It's just FYI.
0: But let's just follow that up. It was a reunion of a great sailing team together and one of the th- things we talked about last night was that wonderful first regatta in Sardinia with this team.
1: That's very true. So
0: it was partially Italian and we're also going to see the wife of this owner uh in Florence. At we're going to see them in Florence. That's exactly. So it was good.
1: It was worth it.
0: It wasn't <laughs> worth it, but that's fine.
1: <laughs> we may be it going hurts,
0: It hurts like hell.
1: We may be going to little uh Ah, walk-in clinic later for an (laughs) x-ray. Yeah. All right. But first things first, this is more important, getting this episode up. The x-ray is going to have to wait till tomorrow. (laughs) Just FYI to you, Tommaso. (laughs) Okay. Verona, as I was trying to say, its location is awesome. You can also go from Verona to Bolzano or the Dolomites in just a couple of hours. And this location is similar to Milano's, which I loved because you can be in such diverse geographic locations in such a short time. So from Verona, which is just a bit above sea level, to Bolzano, which is 5,300 feet above sea level, or 1,600 meters, that in less than two hours, from sea level to 5,300 feet above. Incredibile.
0: Get a nosebleed.
1: Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> All right, besides its fab location, Verona's history is just as impressive as the rest of Italian cities, to be honest. Actually, Verona's nickname is Little Rome, and some call it the City of Romance. Mhm.
0: Well, that's because of a certain play. We'll get into that a little bit later.
1: True. Architecturally and historically, the city evolves around the Arena di Verona. And in English, we pronounce that an arena. Arena di Verona, a Roman amphitheater built in the first century, 30 A.D. to be exact. At the time, it was the third largest arena in Italy after the Colosseum in Rome and one in Campania. When it was finished, it could hold up to 30,000 people who went mainly to watch gladiatorial games which I always find odd that they called them games. Well,
0: they were were games. And the prize was, if uh, you won, you lived.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I'm still bothered by that Russell Crowe movie. Anyway, once opera became more popular during the Renaissance, this arena became the go-to place. And to this day, every summer season is full of operatic performances, amongst other musical performances. And the most famous one was, well, in modern times. In modern times, yes. Was in August of 1990 when Luciano Pavarotti and 3,000 other singers gathered for what was called the World Festival Choir. Every single singer was selected from around the world to sing together with Pavarotti Verdi's Requiem. And the... Cause was to raise funds for the United Nations refugees. And when they performed that night on August 4th in 1990, a full moon rose above the arena and it was hailed as one of the most beautiful concerts ever. And you know Pavarotti was a god to Italians. Just imagine that 3,000 singers singing Verdi's Requiem with Pavarotti in that arena With a full moon. Mm -hmm. I'll say goosebumps. It's goosebumps. Almost like when he sang with you too. Oh, that was so awesome. Yep. Oh, okay. I heard every detail of this night in 1990 from the parents of my friend from Milano, whose name is Simone. Simone took me to his parents' house in Verona for an Easter weekend one year while I lived there. And Simone's mama told me that there were about 15,000 seats available because they had to leave 3,000 seats, you know, for the singers. But the average person from Verona wasn't necessarily invited. But that didn't mean that they didn't go. All of the locals hung out below the arches. And as she said, you could feel the ground move when all 3,000 people were singing together. Wow. Right? So she told me that during my first dinner there at their house. And then afterward, they said, guess what's going on? There's a rehearsal in the arena. So we walked from his parents' house, which was close to the bend in the river, the river that winds its way through the city. is called the Adige. And... I hadn't seen the arena yet because of how we drove into the city to get to his parents' place. I hadn't seen it at all because it's dead in the middle of yeah, the it's... condensed area. Mm-hmm. So we were walking, walking. When I finally saw it, I was just blown away. But at the same time, for some reason, I was expecting like a sunken amphitheater. I had just been in Taormina, Sicily a few months before, and I remember standing above that arena looking down to it. And it most likely, this one in Sicily, most likely originally had the walls and the arches and was built above ground. But the one I had seen most recently appeared to be sunken. So when I turned the corner in Verona and saw this amphitheater, I was like, Dio mio, it was just mind blowing. And then We entered it, and that is when I was in complete and utter awe. It was one of those, you know, like pinch yourself moments. And the fact that years ago, you could walk into this amphitheater without a ticket, without waiting in line. It was just a discussion after dinner. Hey, there's a rehearsal going on at the local venue. Let's go. The local venue. On Diamo. (laughs) So we went, we walked in, and I just took one look. I was like, oh. You know, it was so far removed from any kind of place where I'd ever seen a rock concert or any kind of musical concert in America. Yeah, and the fact that you could just walk in. It was incredible, truly one of those nights I'll never forget. So the rest of my long weekend in Verona consisted of Simone walking me to all the main piazzas and architecturally significant things he was so proud of. Of his city. And we went into Piazza della Erbe, which is probably the most impressive piazza in the city. And it's rectangular in shape and pretty large and had been the main piazza to sell and purchase produce, meats, all kinds of goods. So naturally, we had to go to his favorite cafe in that piazza so he could say hello to all his friends and have an espresso. And at the time, I didn't drink coffee yet. I wasn't completely fluent in Italian to be with his friends and understand everything, so my biggest memory of that cafe visit was the like thick, thick smoke. You know, everyone would smoke cigarettes, and I couldn't engage with the conversation or get into an espresso because I didn't drink it yet. So basically, I just remember that cigarette smoke from Piazza della Erbe in Verona. I
0: think you told me once too about the rapid-fire Italian. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> sort of like when you're talking to me and trying to get me <laughs> to understand to under, to understand Italian.
1: They cannot do slow motion. No. Or, or slow speed. No. No. So anyway. All right, and one building back to this Piazza della Erbe, literally one building away from this main piazza is another one called Piazza dei Signori, which I remember vividly because it has a statue of Dante. And this statue is so severe but so beautiful, surrounded in this little courtyard with brick and arches and marble. So I am going to put an image up on Instagram tomorrow so you can all see it. Verona, a little more about its architecture, is full of Roman architecture that is very well preserved, I have to say. Even that arena is in amazing condition, considering it's 2,000 years old. The entire city was deemed a UNESCO World Heritage Site in 2000 due to the collection of beautifully preserved ancient, medieval, and Renaissance architecture. And that is really significant if you think about that. So many periods of history and all of that architecture is intact in one small city. And this is the type of thing I think everyone should know before they go. Right, and Verona is home to a lot of
0: walls. Yes, it is. And the walls, just where you spoke before about all the different types of architecture, they are a confusion of defensive structures of all shapes, sizes, and historical periods. Because Verona was its own city-state at one point, and the Lombards came, and the Austrians came, and Venice came, and everyone sort of put their mark on the architecture and the defensive structures in the region. And as you mentioned before, the Adige.
1: Adige. That's not an easy one to pronounce. Okay. So the Adige. (laughs) (laughs) Bravo. There we go. Uh, The river, um, it suggests, because
0: it surrounds, they placed Verona there initially because it was covered in three sides in water. It was a defensive position. Oh, and that makes sense. They're right. So that's also an important consideration if you're looking for a break from the hustle and bustle of the tourists, because there are even tourists in Verona, right? They're going to be there. But you can take a nice walk around both sides of the river, and it's about three and a half miles. And what What's three and a half miles? About the walk. It's about three and a half miles if you want to walk around. From
1: one side to the other?
0: Around the outside oh, and I then see. the inside. Oh, and come back in. Right and the river is not navigable you know it's pretty pretty low there's not much um so there are no boat tours but there are 10 bridges from ancient bridges to modern bridges so you've got many places to cross and get a great view from the other side but
1: it is it is a beautiful view because there's quite a few towers church steeples bell towers it's very cool
0: so but back to the walls for a second the romans actually built two separate walls at different times and they fell into disuse when the commune of Verona built its own walls in the 12th century. I mean, think about that. It was like, oh, those are old. Yeah. <laughs> right. And and today, there's, let's get contemporary and, and build our new one in the 12th century. And today, there's little left of those Roman walls apart from two gates, the Porta
1: Bosari. Oh, sorry, you were trying to pronounce it yourself. Okay, go ahead. You hesitated, so I jumped. Porta Bosare. <laughs> Bravo.
0: And the Porta de Leone. That's a good one. Okay, there you go. But the Porta Bosade was where everyone who entered the city to sell into the markets had to pay their fees. So there were armed guards, they had to when you came into the city into the walls, you had to pay your fees before you if, could sell. If you were a local, you could just walk through, correct? If you were a vendor. And also, as I said before in the opening, Verona is the setting for two of Shakespeare's plays, Romeo and Juliet, A Tragedy, and Two Gentlemen of Verona, which is a comedy. And Shakespeare seems to have gotten all of his info from Verona from poems written at the time because there is no historical record that he ever went there. The supposed Juliet's balcony that people like Go to. They put gum and with their initials in it or something underneath it. It's 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 kind of bizarre. But that Juliet balcony where you know Romeo, Romeo, where art thou, Romeo? Well, Wherefore art thou, Romeo? Oh, thank you. Sorry. <laughs> it's a major tourist attraction. It was added on in 1905. The
1: balcony. The balcony itself to that building. Yes. Yes.
0: <laughs> and there's not much long term love for all of you people that are you know going to have this romantic Romeo and Juliet moment because. All of them ended up dead. <laughs> so if you're thinking of going there for a romantic pilgrimage, be careful of what you wish for.
1: And you know what I find funny. every language has translations of course, but Romeo and Juliet Romeo and Juliet so famous. Romeo and Julieta. That's the proper pronunciation. Who was the dog Romeo? Did we know a dog? I wanted to name Ollie Romeo Oh right. Oh, geez, Louise, you guys, he just totally forgot that one. And he finally admitted, I don't want to be standing, you know, at the beach going, Romeo, Romeo. No. <laughs> <laughs> As an American man that in a, Jamestown, Rhode a, Island.
0: It was also a border collie. I mean, Okay, all right,
1: we're on a tangent again. Okay, let's go okay, back. Get ready, Get back.
0: now. Church lady here. <gasps> I knew, I knew, I knew. He I, knew I was going to bring I this saw up you,
1: I saw your outline. Because I cannot not tell you about the churches in Verona. Their Duomo, called Santa Maria Matricolare, that's another tongue twister, Matricolare has a lot going on with a very interesting combination of stripes. This is, this is importante, I think. Some of the facade has stripes made from white stone, which is now obviously an off-white, and then bricks, like three or four layers of bricks horizontally on top of each other made to delineate from the white stripe. That is not that's not common. Oh and it's
0: a it's atypical, but it's also in Firenze, the Duomo.
1: Those are two different colored marble stone. Um, this is brick. that's uh, that's my point.
0: Okay. I'm it's sorry. normally
1: stone. like Orvieto we've spoken about these even in in Luca. These stripes are, the element is is everywhere in Italy. But in this case, the stripes are made of bricks and stone. That's what I mean oh. is rare. So I find it really interesting. And Apologies. Thank you very much. You know me and my church <laughs> details. <laughs> All right. And the other odd thing about this Duomo is that there is not a grand piazza in front of it. But instead, just this small little rectangular area and literally part of that is a parking lot. You can park like 30 cars, 20 cars in front of the church and I just, I don't know. It's a funny entrance for a Duomo, but is it worth a visit? See. There's not many churches that aren't worth a visit. Oh, in music your, to my in, ears. In, in, oh. your,
0: in your view. <laughs> uh, there's, hopefully there's a cappuccino bar right around the corner. Oh, there is everywhere. Of most
1: And finally, we need to mention the amazing wine from the Veneto region, which literally these vineyards are close enough to the city that you can technically rent a bike. Now you can do an e-bike and head straight up into the hills over the river and taste Vapolicella and Suave, which is a dry white wine, and that is spelled S-O-A-V-E, not like Who was Enrico Suave? (laughs) Remember that? Yes. (laughs) So this is pronounced Suave. And just like every other city in Italy, the restaurants offer local regional wines so you can taste it everywhere you go in Verona. However, I think it's fun to go to vineyards and learn more about the process and then you figure out why you love vino so much. And why it tastes different in so many regions? Exactly, it's all the soil and the grape and. Mm, mm, mm. All right, and now a little chat about the cuisine of Verona and Tommaso. This will make you very happy, because guess what? Um. What's your favorite thing? Ragù. Yes, ragù is big in Verona. Oh, good. Uh huh. However, the disturbing news is that they make a donkey. Ragu.
0: Oh, no. Ragu di mulo. I mean, I'm not really big into donkeys,
1: but I'm not into eating. Well, we go and feed our friends donkeys. You do. I sit in the car and yes, surf my phone. You have said this before, which I wish you'd stop saying.
0: I'd re- I'm just trying to reiterate it so our audience knows my preference in case anyone has donkeys.
1: I feed treats to our friends donkeys every week when we take our food scraps and feed their chickens and all the other animals. So to think that you could never, ever venture to try a ragu al mulo, di mulo. See? No, Thank no. you very much. No, what an And also, I have to be honest and say that they, in Verona, they also eat horse meat. And that hits me even harder. But again, this is their history. And I will just share with you the word cavallo, C-A-V-A-L-L-O. That means horse. So if you see it on the menu... Stay clear of that if you have the same attitude we do. And if you were on the fence thinking about, ooh, should I try horse meat? I could technically. (laughs) I could list off every single name of every horse my family has ever owned. You know, like farm horses, work horses, and tell you them all the way back to my great grandparents' farm. And then you would never eat it. Who's the horse that jumped on your foot? Chubby. Chubby. Chubby, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I had a broken foot then. Tom has a broken foot now. Okay. In summary, in Soma, the gastronomy of Verona is similar to other northern areas that have polenta, risotto, gnocchi. Those three items play a big role. So slightly heavier mountain type dishes are prevalent, but just like everywhere else in Italy, It is all grown and made with care and consideration for what goes into every single meal. In Soma, you know, next year on our trip, this coming October is planned already, and then we have a few, three or four next year, I am taking you to Verona. I
0: I would love to go to Verona.
1: Right. Actually check out
0: the real estate on it once in a while. Oh, Dio, Mia, where are we not moving? I just, you need to be educated.
1: <laughs> well, in summary, I think Verona is slightly overlooked maybe because most people are rushing to get to Venezia. Right. On the, Most of them go on a train. It's kind of hard to drive there as we've discussed. So they're on a train and they think, oh, Verona, I've heard of it. Should we stop? no. It's only like, you know, 40 more minutes on the train. So they go. So as I mentioned, I think it's more of the opera buffs, art history, architectural lovers. And so, yes, there will be people, but it is definitely, definitely worth a stop. And you might get lucky and enjoy several days in this history-rich little place without the rest of mankind.
0: (laughs) (laughs) That's very, Very true and very promising.
1: Right. Andiamo il anno prossimo. We're going next year. Va bene. I think I think we need to finish, wrap it up here because I'm looking at Tommaso's face and then I glanced down to his foot.
0: <laughs> which is the size of a kumquat.
1: <laughs> That's not big. Which a kumquat which, is the size of a watermelon. <laughs>
0: whatever. It's big.
1: <laughs> okay. Thank you everyone for listening and chat to you next week. Ciao, ciao.
0: Ciao, ciao from the invalid.